This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to a bonus edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Since we recorded our weekly episode on Sunday, uh, so much has happened that we felt compelled to, to do another uh, little bonus one today. So hopefully you'll enjoy this. Dan Killick is with me once again, and we're rolling back the rolling back the years here, back in your kitchen for a change. Back back in here, yeah. I thought you, you almost lost your words there. So much has happened that I've... Uh... Forgotten about it all. No, just no script tonight, Dan. That's it. No off, script. Off piece. As off piece. I, as I always am. Joe, you know I don't know how we ever used it. As you always are. That's because you don't have to. You don't have to lead this thing. That's why. I'm the, I'm the silent driving force behind uh, this part. Is that right? Oh, I think it's a bit of artistic tension going on here. Yeah, you? yeah. You've walked. Yeah, the, the audience has walked into the Beatles' "Let It Be" era. That book, that and book. I'm John, by the way. You're Paul. Um, <laughs> a bowl of cereals give me a bit of Dutch courage. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we ever used to do this on a Wednesday night after a work, like a full working day. Like it's bad enough on the on the weekend, but trying to keep up with the rugby news during the during the day, yeah, and then uh, and then pull together an agenda and record it late at night. Um, I don't know how we ever used to do it to be honest. I know it's so much better being on a Sunday, isn't it? But we did we did need to do one this week. Big big week. It is so headlines since we last recorded anything. We had the Warren Gatland team. Today to face Italy on Sunday, uh, a massive ten changes to start in fifteen. Um, I mean, we'll we'll come onto that in a bit more detail in a moment. And then we've also had something that we did cover on uh, on Sunday night almost preemptively, which was the the new broadcast deal and what that was going to mean. Uh, so we've got that to uh, we've got that to, to chew through as well. But we'll start with the with the team announcement. Very often, Dan, you and I sit here and we say, "Oh well, we're lucky," you know, we're we're only playing selector here, you know, we don't have to make the big the big call. So we can very often, you know, throw things around. And we had a few uh, a few people got in touch with us and said, Oh, you've made you've made way too many changes, blah, blah, blah. Um, and how many changes make, how many changes did we make? Didn't make enough. Did it? Was it seven or eight in the end? About seven, I think, wasn't it? 
about seven, I think. Yeah. Um, I thought we'd maybe over overdone it there, but Gatland's completely trumped us. He has. I know. What's happened to Gatland? What do you mean? It's just completely changed, isn't it? Do, yeah. This is. Do, do we think we're we're dealing with the same uh, with the same beast here? He's a diff- He's a different man, isn't he? He really is. It is really. Yeah. It's. Um, he's on the salads. Something's happened. Something's changed. Well, maybe, but um, let's have a look. Let's have a look at the the team first up. So, we'll look at the team that Gatlin selected versus what uh, versus what we picked, and and just how many just how many changes there were in there. Um, so for a start, seven changes in the pack. <laughs> it's pretty big. It's massive, isn't it? We said we said, oh, you, you know, can't mess around with too many combinations, and he's kind of chosen to completely ignore that. So the pack looks as follows for the Italy game. Nicky Smith, uh, loose head. Elliot D, hooker, his first start. Tom Francis on the tight head. Corey Hill is the sole survivor from the uh, the defeat in Dublin. Then you've got Bradley Davis, partner in him. And you've got Tipperick on the blind side, Falatau at eight, and James Davis getting his first cap on the open side. It's just astonishing, isn't it? I really did not see this coming. I thought... I thought there would be some experimentation, but I really didn't think he'd be picking a whole new pack, or virtually a whole new pack. Yeah, I mean, there's a fair bit of experience coming coming back in, isn't there? But equally, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not in favour of that many changes. I've got to be honest. Okay. It's too, it's too, it's too many for me. Does it smack a little bit of the Wales against Georgia scenario? That infamous fourth. Uh, yeah, the fourth autumn international that we seem to play every year and make these make these kind of calls. It's very rare has that kind of played into our hands. Well, there is a bit of symmetry there. I mean, it's di- it's difficult for the coaches, isn't it? Because when they don't pick the players, we're then criticising. You know, we needed to see you know so and so and so and so. So there can't be any of that now, can there? It's it's a it's a big big change. And equally, if you don't if we, if we don't play them in this game, then when when do we play them? Um, but I just come back to the point we made on Sunday that it would have been great to have seen, you know, Elliot D with our with our first choice, yeah. our first choice front row. I don't think we need to see Francis. I think we know what he can do. Um, well, actually, Samson's <clears throat> Samson's sick, isn't he? He's in, yeah. he's, so he's unwell. So I guess that's why that's happened. I'm quite excited to see Nicky, you know, to give him a give him a chance. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think the Italians will be. Um, It'll be quite up for this. It'll it'll probably fuel them, but equally, right. the side that we picked, we could we could we could just blow them away. Well, I was saying, I was thinking this earlier. You know, if you're Conor O'Shea, no one else in the Six Nations has made wholesale changes against against Italy at any point during his tenure. It feels, you know, if I think it's one thing doing it in the autumn internationals, doing it now. I think you're right. I think that's going to fuel a bit of you know. You'll be pinning that up on. Pick up that headline saying Gatlin rings the changes. Gatlin going to experiment ahead of the World yeah. Cup against lowly Italy. He doesn't rate you, boys. Doesn't yeah. rate you. Thinks you thinks you're a joke. Um, let's go and show him. Let's go and prove him wrong. But then, it's mighty exciting, isn't it, to see to see these changes? So, Wait, uh, it, let's stick, let's stick with the pack a bit more. Obviously, like you said, I think the the side that we selected. Um, yeah, you, you've obviously mentioned on the tight head. Samson Lee, who's, um, who's picked up a bug. Elliot D, we did pick, um, and then on the on the loose heads, I think we both went for we went for Rob Evans in the end. Um, what kind of an impact? In fact, let's let's keep the, the second row in this as well. So 
Corey Hill keeps his place and then Bradley Davis and I think the uh, we we didn't pick either of those did we we went for Seb Davis and for Alan Wynne Jones in there yeah neither neither of whom have made it yeah so Seb's on the bench and Alan Wynne Jones is being rested but I can understand what if it turns into a scrummaging affair do you think that you know do you back that type 5 having not played together as a unit and you know you've got perhaps Corey Hill and Nicky Smith who are players that are in there mainly for, for mobility rather than rather than working the tight yeah I mean Nicky Nicky scrummaging has got a, has got significantly better hasn't it yeah but they'll the Italians have been quite handy in the backs haven't they for the for the first time in, in many many years or you know that's probably been a bit generous yeah um, ever yeah, yeah but they're, they're packed they'll, they'll probably be fancying that because we're we're probably a little bit lighter weight, aren't we? Yeah. Um, similarly, you know, the back row, I think the back row will just handle, will be absolutely fine. Tipperick's so experienced, isn't he? Yeah. Faletau is Faletau. And James Davis, I think, will just be, it'll, it'll be absolutely fine. Um, so, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a gamble, that front five. Um, I just would have liked to have seen Seb in there with, yeah. One of the experienced, one of the experienced boys. Could we, we couldn't. I suppose they wouldn't have worked together, would they? As in Seb and uh, Bradley that well. Um, and then you couldn't go Seb and Corey because it'd just be too lightweight. Yeah, no. Like I say, I, I think I would have, I would have stuck with that. I don't know. I think you could potentially have gone, uh, have gone Seb and Bradley Davis, but don't know. Yeah, I mean, either way, he's uh, he's he's run the changes in there, yeah. so that's definitely an area that. Um, I don't know. I think if you're if you're looking at areas of the pitch where you don't really want to take a gamble. It probably is your front five, isn't it, to be honest? Because if things go badly, you can always try and shut up shop and keep the game tight and um, and look to, you know, if it's, if it's not going well behind the scrum, you can just look to, to tighten up when you have got the ball and, and play a bit more of a um, of a compressed game if you're ever in any yeah. danger. Whereas you know, I suppose you don't really I have do. the opportunity to do that if you're on the receiving yeah. end of it. It's it's quite mobile. I mean, cool. You know, Corey it'll get will get around the park. Yeah. Only Bradley, I think, will be probably itching to to put some of his good club form on into onto the international stage. Um, Elliot D is is a you know good is a good set piece scrummager and, and also he gets around the park massively. And Nicky is vastly improved and he gets around the park. So it's I've got a feeling that the front five whilst. You know, got a got a got a tweet today from Dave Ormsby saying the front five is 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 quite a gamble. Mm. It is a gamble, and I can understand that. But equally, it could work. It could work out well. Um, well, I think that's it. If we, if we just have a look at the, you've mentioned the mobility there, and and it being kind of a fast paced game, and the back line would suggest that's going to be the case as well. So in the backs, you've got Gareth Davis retaining his place, and then you've got Gareth Hanscom at ten, Hadley Parks, Owen Watkin partners him. Uh, for his first Six Nations start. Excited to see how that goes. Very exciting, that one. And then, yeah, Steph Evans, George North on the wings and Liam Williams at fullback. So, with all that in mind, presumably you're not going to, you know, there's there's no other way you can try and play other than, uh, you know, almost Brilliant. a game of sevens, isn't it? Yeah, there's going to be some uh, some volleyball in there, isn't it? We're just going to be throwing it around. Um, it looks... Looks to be a very tasty back line, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But again, can you do it when you when you've just thrown it together and you've got you know a week's worth of a week's worth of training? There's not that many tried and tested combinations in there. Um, 
you know, there's there's some experience in terms of North and, and Liam Williams and Gareth Davis to a certain extent. Uh, but then, you know, the 10, 12, 13 combination, completely untried. In, yeah, in, individually, it's great. Yeah. And I think that's why we always get carried away. I was quite critical uh, in the day today, saying we've made too many changes. Yeah. And then, you know, here, here, here I am now probably being a little bit more upbeat. But it hasn't worked for us in the past when we made wholesale changes. I don't, I don't know why, why it would work again. Italy, you know, they have played well in patches. Mm. And if they strike a game plan that they play for the full 80, it's, it could be a very tough day for Wales. Here's one for you there, Dan. So this is a, a tweet that we've had in from uh, from Gary Mason, aka Gasman Roy, who's a regular contributor to the show. He says, uh, is this Gat's boldest selection or is it a reflection of how poor Italy actually are? I think it's a bold selection. Um, you could say that he's listened to the he's listened to the fans over the last couple of years, where there's been so much criticism for us not playing players to see whether they're good enough at this at this level or not. Um, you know, we've we've both been been mm. critical of them. We have saying we need to see certain players in positions to see how how they fare up. So, I don't think Gatlin would really underestimate Italy. I've at the same time, I don't think. I think he. I think he has. I think he I don't has think he'd make the change. I don't if, know about underestimate it, but. He's confident. He's confident that that team can yeah. can see Italy away because otherwise he wouldn't he wouldn't have made it. He's not going to want to lose at all, is he? Well, no, um, of course not. But I also think that he doesn't make ten changes unless he unless he thinks a victory is nailed on. Yeah, and nailed on with with ten changes because you know they've had a they've had a rest week in between, which obviously you don't have in the autumn. So he could you know he could put out a much inverted commas stronger team, a much more experienced team than this. Mm-hmm. Um, but he chose not to. Yeah, it, it's a big gap. It's a massive gamble because I don't think any of the other sides would do this. I really don't. And um, Italy, you know, Conor Shea, he's, he's he's a canny operator, isn't he? He will have he'll identify weaknesses. I, I fully expect us to expect him to identify um, a number of weak points throughout that team. Um, and he, he may just play a pretty boring and direct a direct game actually, and you know coming down Anscombe's channel playing it tight. That's where we've that's where we've struggled. Um, we've struggled over the you know in the game so far is where there's been the game has been quite tight off nine and ten. Yeah. Um, so Italy might just close up shop and just literally come come pumping down our pumping down the inside channels. And then you know we can have we can have the best back outside backs yeah. in the whole of the world. But all they're going to be doing is tackling. He's going to be tackling all day. And to be honest, our tackling hasn't been great so far. So I hope the the line speeds they've been work, you know Wales have been working on that because we're going to need it. Um, so yeah, I've got a quick uh, a quick question for you. Here. This has come from <clears throat> Danny Thomas, mm-hmm. listener. Um, three standoffs in four games. Does it show? Talent depth, or Gats hasn't got a clue who best suits the new game plan. That's a really good question, actually. And I'm glad you're <laughs> glad you're answering that one. Uh, no, yeah, I thought uh, I thought this, you claim you claim that ten is your uh, is your area of specialty as well, don't you? So uh, no, not this week. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's, I'm more of a ball playing, more of a ball playing second row. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I think that. You know what, I don't think he... I think he knows who his best outside half is, and I still think he thinks it's Dan Bigger. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think that's a fair point that he doesn't know who to back when playing this style of when playing this style of rugby. I think he'd like to pick Patchell, but I, th- I think he think I think Gatland has question marks over his ability to control a game and his ability to to do it across the across the course of eighty minutes. You know, when and potentially when we're on the back foot, um, and that's why I think we've got. We've got Anscombe in there now. Um, I think he's, you know, he, he's prepared to give him a go. But you know, we have to do it now. Otherwise, we'll get to the World Cup and we'll be none the wiser. So, I would, I'd rather it happens now and we, and we get to the to the right conclusion and go. Okay, cool. We know who the best, uh, who the best outside half is if we're going to play this. If we decide that, okay, bigger for as fantastic a player as he is and a loyal servant as he is, if we. If we play him at ten and it, and we find that he puts the brakes on the backs, then actually, you know, we need to we need to look at, um, at having Patrick at ten. Fine, I just think we need to get to that conclusion. I would have much rather that we were in that position two years ago, you know, but yeah. we've we've not been able to do that because you had Howley, uh, Howley in charge for um, for an autumn and a, and a Six Nations, and he was effectively auditioning for the job. So he's end up, you know, he's not certainly not going to take any uh, any gambles. There, as we found out, um, but yeah, no, I, I think at the moment I don't think Gatlin does know. So you, I, I think he's edging towards the fact that that Anscombe is probably the guy at ten to play this game plan. Um, you know, in his eyes, I think he that, that probably is it. But out and out, I think he definitely thinks Dan Bigger is his best. You know, the best player. So it's a bit fifty, a bit fifty fifty then, isn't it? We've got we've got depth, but ultimately we don't we don't we don't quite know. Well, I think we've got options rather than depth. You know, depth to me is Sam Warburton's injured. Justin Tipperick comes in at seven. Justin Zibrick's injured, uh, you know, Josh Navidi can come in, Ellis Jenkins can come in, James Davis can come in. They're all players who, you know, I think have have proven, even though James Davis doesn't have a cap yet, I think he's, you wouldn't, I certainly don't feel any reticence about putting him in there now. He's played so well at a European level. Anscombe hasn't had that much opportunity to play at um, European, you know, top European level. He's had, she's shown some good fits and starts at, um, during during the Six Nations and a, and a little bit before that, um, but you know I, I wouldn't say that that Patchell or Anscombe have shown that they can play at the highest level as bigger can. But they um, haven't. They equally haven't had the the run of the run of games. No, no, I mean, no. You're quite right. Here's one. But that's that's what I mean by by strength and depth. I've probably gone off on a bit of a, a tangent there. But by strength and depth, I mean that if you know if someone gets injured or someone's a little bit out of form, you've got an option of someone who is of test standard to bring in. Now, if Warburton gets injured, Justin Tibbery is easily a test standard to be able to bring into that lineup. But to get him to test standard, they have to have a run of games. Absolutely, and absolutely. We... But that's what I mean by not being yeah. strength in depth yet. I think they're options rather than strength in depth. But that's why, that's for me, why we need to give a run of games to mm. Anscombe. Because if, if Anscombe comes in, plays a blinder against Italy, yeah. do we really, you know, if we were playing England the week after, Big, Big would more than likely be there? I think we need to give if if it's Anscombe, we need to give Anscombe a run of games. If it's Patchell, we need to give him a run of games. And he, for the, for this Italy game, every ten in our squad would want to, would want to start against Italy, wouldn't you? You'd be you'd be really livid if you didn't get the if you didn't get the nod. Yeah. Because it is on paper, it's an easier game to play in. You know, Patchell's had his turn. Um, obviously played really well in the one game. But he's yep. then had a, a, a difficult you know a difficult time in England, but a lot of the players did as well. Um, and then he's sort of, you know, he's he's set he's cast aside for the time being, and and in comes Anscombe. I do think it's very different starting. So it's an easier ride for him, isn't it? Playing ten, 
against Italy. So I don't know. I don't. I don't quite. I don't quite see what we learn from bringing a player in and then not giving them that run of that run of games because I think bigger. We know what bigger can do. We know he's going to be. He's going to be there or thereabouts for the for the World Cup. You're, you know, he's going to be definitely mm. one of our tens, yeah. Oh, I'd be um, very surprised. If and not. and he, you know, he could well be the number the number one ten. But we then need to see whether Anscombe can only cut it coming off a bench, or whether he can hold it. And same for Patchell. We just we just don't, don't know yet. Yeah, we don't, do we? Um, no, and I'd argue with those other two. I'm still not sure what their best position are. I'm not sure that Patchell is a better ten than he is a fifteen. And I'm st- I'd still probably. I don't know, I'm edging towards Anscombe being a 10 over a 15. Um, but there's still more questions than there are answers at this stage. Yeah. All right, last one then. Uh, we talked about the fact that there'd be, you know, I think everyone has commented about there being lots of changes and, and not, not sure whether it's the right move just yet. Um, we've had this tweet from, uh, from Gareth Jones, obviously we know very well, uh, been on the show many a time. And... He basically says, yeah, is it too many changes for one match? Um, do we need inexperienced players playing with it? Sorry, do we need experienced players playing with um, the less experienced players in there? And is it potentially an opportunity for Italy to sit there licking their lips? Well, yeah, I think we've, we've kind of covered this, haven't we, earlier on? I mean, Italy will be, will be well up for it. You know, they've had a rest. They'll be coming over to, coming over to Wales the atmosphere everyone everyone tends to enjoy playing there don't they um i think they'll be go they'll be definitely going for a win um and i i uh, when you're coming in when you're coming into the Welsh squad to really see how good you're going to play you want to you want to be playing alongside alongside the best players and that's the fear isn't it with making too many changes mm. that you just lose any continuity um and and i think the it's one of the hardest the hardest and and most sort of where it can go massively wrong then is is the backs yeah because you've got to know you know you you've got to read you've got to be able to read each other so well the timings and and um, it is slightly different in the pack um, albeit if it's a loose game but it, it yeah. it's tight in the set piece and things that well that's it yeah I think I think it's I think it's, it's difficult you know thing. if the set piece if the set piece goes to part and it ends yeah. up being one of those games then. You know, it doesn't matter. You could have the you could have the the best potential back line outside them all you like, and it's not going to make a blind bit of difference if you can't get secure balls. So, yeah. I think um, they'll be. I do think they'll be. They'll play. They'll be looking to play a, you know, a, a, probably a pretty a pretty tight game. I think that's what I'd be doing if I was Connor. If I was Connor O'Shea. Mm. Um, Again, one one whiff of the of the Welsh line out going a bit a yeah. bit wonky though, and you're going to be kicking the leather off that ball all day long, kicking for touch. Challenging every single time, knowing they're not going to get a good ball off the top of it. So, I don't know. It's it, 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 it's certainly it's, whatever whatever you think about whether it's right or wrong. I would agree that it's certainly a bold call from yeah. Gatland. I think because he's made that many changes, that's why he's gone with the two sevens. So if mm. they if they are if they're thinking they can they can they'll be able to control this game, they're probably going to have to think twice a little bit because James Davis and, and Tipperick will be over that ball yeah. as quick as as anything. Uh, they'll be an absolute nuisance. Um, and they'll be winning pens, and if we've got the ball, that that the back three is is it's mm. devastating. On current on current form, the, our backs are are, are you know uh, a really sort of uh, there's a real attacking threat and intent there, isn't there? Um, All right then, prediction just to finish. I say Wales by twenty. So gamble pays off. 
comfortable win. Yeah, I think so. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, what would you expect me to say here? You're going to say close score, are you? I am going to say close score. I think six points. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Wales by six. Exactly my uh, exactly my thought. I hope again. I really hope I'm wrong. I re- particularly Tipperick and Davis. I would love to see them both um, tear them apart at the breakdown, and, and we get loads of turnover ball and a chance to to rip them apart. But I do just worry a little bit that it's. Um, that it could be a bit of a few too many changes and, and it not necessarily click. But again, as always, I really, really hope I'm wrong on this because I, I just want, you know, I'd love to see us fling it around and, and st- almost kind of stumble up across some great combinations that are going to uh, that are going to elevate us forward. Excited by that centre partnership? Yeah, I love Ian Watkins, as you know. I think um, having and having Hadley Parks inside him is just such a class act uh, that... Yeah, I think he could really benefit because actually, you know, it's it's not been the easiest of seasons for him at the Ospreys because they've you know, really kind of struggled for form and um, he's had a lot of different centre partners during that time as well. Mm. So actually, I think that um, I do I do kind of think there's a good balance between the two there. You've got Parks with a very level head. I think Watkins' first instinct is to look for a gap or to... His first thing that always, always seems to be to step, actually, which I love. Yeah, that step um, is dangerous. So yeah, you know, I... I Again, what I'd, what I'd love to see is us get loads of turnover ball. Um, Parks and, and Anscombe orchestrate things from, from 10 and 12. And then you've got these huge amount of attacking options in the back three and, and in Owen Watkins. That's going to be key, isn't it? The, the, Ansc- the Anscombe um, and Hadley Parks. I, th- you yeah. know, they, I think they, they're probably in tune. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming from the same neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, so that's... that's that's the key one for me. Those two. Yeah, it'd be very, it'd be very interesting to uh, to see how they go. And we haven't got too much longer to find out. Right, and other things have happened this week as well. And as I said earlier, um, we were talking about it on Sunday, and this is the the broadcast deal. So Pro Fourteen now, as of next season, will no longer be shown on BBC Wales. So it. The finalised packages still aren't confirmed. So things like the the Welsh language package to to look at as well. So we don't know yet whether whether S4C are going to have um, you know what level of coverage they're going to have. But it does look as though it's a move towards uh, towards Premier Sports. This little known little known broadcaster, which we believe is ten quid a month uh, in order to do it, in order to subscribe to it. Um, right, what are your initial thoughts, Dan? I'm going to keep it really, really broad. Um, personally, I'm quite, I'm quite uh, upset by it because you know I, I love watching the Friday night games, but from a, a commercial perspective, I can understand that the Pro 14 is on an absolute knife edge day to day, and you know because it's it's professional sport, it's brutal, it's all down to money, and. You know, whoever's whoever's going to pay the highest, whoever's the highest bidder gets you know, gets gets the contract. Yeah. Um, you know, we're so far behind England and France, and we just need to take anything we possibly can do. Now we don't know what the figures are, though. But there's no way we're making up any significant ground on. Oh no, but still, it's if it's if it's if it's extra money, then mm. the Pro 14 have obviously looked at it and gone, we've got to take it because it's that. I think this shows how. Um, uh, 
the trouble that the league is in then I mean we we've... Yeah, I, I don't think we needed this to see the, the trouble that it was in to be honest like when you had in the middle of uh, in the middle of the off season suddenly going oh we're dropping in two South African sides here into a league that but it's further it's further evidence then isn't it yeah that, you're that, right that it's, it's, in, it's in a pickle it's in a pickle so it's probably little wonder I mean I you know I am I love watching I love watching those those games um, and equally you know, it will be a choice now as to whether or not whether or not I decide to take out this Premier Sports, you know, package. I don't know actually. I I I you know I probably won't. Well actually I'm saying that now. Um I'll I'll have to, I suppose. Yeah. But there are those people that you know, okay, it's ten pound it's what is it, ten, you said it's ten pound a month. I haven't seen at the any, moment, I believe I it is. I haven't seen any figures, but um, I saw that Andrew Coombs made a good made a good point, a valid point about the fact that you know a lot of people won't be able won't be able to pay yeah. to watch the team that they want to watch, and then you can bring that into the tr- the, the, the children then as well. If they you know they're not going to they're not going to be able to see their team, so we're always saying about how we need to capture the young children, yeah. and <laughs> I'm not saying I need to capture young children. That's just... No, you know, yeah, yeah, sorry, I should have yeah, rephrased that. I'm, I'm don't go around telling people I've been saying I want to capture young children. <laughs> it's late in the day, you know, you know what I mean. Um, so that yeah, if, they if they can't watch the team, they can't, they can't afford to watch the team yeah. on the TV. And can't then afford to go and watch the game on a regular basis. Yeah, can't afford to pay the entry fee. You've then lost, um, you know, you've lost... Future, future, future world stars. It's it's quite sad. I think the, I think that's definitely part of it. I think the other thing, like we alluded to on Sunday, is that there's so much competition for attention amongst young people now. Right, you're not just competing against. It's not just that the TV is the only platform. Right, you've got so many different ways that you can consume media. Um, there's the ever-bearing threat of how big Premier League football is. You know, particularly while well, you've got Swans in the Premier League as well, and you know Cardiff City. Are, are in a good vein of form as well. So, you know, even the county are, are playing, you know, on this massive cup run. So you've got these other places that are competing for attention, they're competing for money of both parents and children. And if you're burying the league that we've already said is a fucking mess, like, you know, you have the two worst South African sides in there, it's split into this stupid conference system that no one in the UK really understands. Um, and you're burying it on some little-known paid broadcaster. That is not a platform to give you extra success. You are relying on people who are really desperate to watch this rugby and go out of their way. Now, again, you and I will probably buckle when it comes to the start of next season. If there's no other option, we'll end up getting it. Um, you know, and obviously, living outside of Wales doesn't help that. But at the same time, um, it's about the future generations. I was just like, the more obscure the channel. Um, the fact that it's behind a paywall, not available free-to-air, the less visible that league is. And the league is already not very marketable because it's a mishmash of a load of teams from various different places. We've already said this before, there's no real rivalry between, you know, like if they go, you know, the, the Premier Sports game tonight, it's Leinster versus Glasgow. Like, you know, actually, it's a bad example. I might watch that one just because, you know, they're two <laughs> exciting sides. But if it's Leinster versus Edinburgh, don't care. You know what? Ulster versus Zebra, don't care. I'm not going to watch it because those rivalries don't really exist. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? When it's when it's a Welsh region, I'll watch it. Um, 
outside of that, yeah, if it's a top of the table, playoffs, yeah, I'll probably watch it. But, you know, I, I haven't got the time. And we do a podcast about rugby every single week. So, you know, I, I, it feels like long-term this is suicide for the league. But I also I appreciate that they need to, to drag the, you know, to grab the money while it's available. Personally, to me, it feels like, okay, the sales guys there have gone, there's an opportunity to make a few, uh, a few more bucks here. They'll take the deal for this season. And then when it comes up for renewal in two or three years' time, those individuals will have buggered off because they'll have got a job somewhere else. Be interesting to see the figures, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that is going to be really interesting. Um, and I, just, I really hope that I, you know, I hope S4C do really well out of this. I hope they're able to get something. Um, yeah, that's going know. to be key now. It is, and you know, I don't know the ins and outs of of sports broadcasting when it comes to um, when it comes to different different language broadcasting. So you know, the the way that it will sit in. Scotland in Gaelic and um, and in Wales and Welsh and stuff. I'm not entirely sure what the government because there's a lot of government regulation around things like that as well. But if S4C are able to to get a load of games because nothing's available free to air and they're able to strengthen their offering, then then fair play to them. I hope I hope they're able to do that because I think they do a damn good job on the um, uh, on the on the coverage. Yeah. So you know that that for me is kind of. It's either that or there's a because there's still an opportunity for someone else to, to come into the mix. You know, ITV could still swoop in, I believe. Um, I don't know whether they're just on a highlights capacity or not. Um, but I hope common sense will prevail and there will be a, uh, a free-to-air coverage because if this goes behind a paywall on Premier Sports, whatever that may be... It's absolutely disastrous. I think it is. It really is, isn't it? You know, you need, you need the support because actually there was a thought, there was a school of thought that when Pro 14 coverage went to Sky that actually the fact that it was on Sky where you had a lot of rugby at the time was going to help the league because it kind of almost validates it a bit more. They'll give it a bit more prominence. It's good exposure for the league. That didn't really pan out in that way. But what chance have you got on Premier Sport? You, you're only relying on the hardcore um, the hardcore support who are going to who go and watch it. And even then, it doesn't feel like there's a yeah, massive What is, what is Premier Sport? I, mean, I, keep, I keep on forgetting what it is. I mean... So you get an additional paid subscription. Well, that shows that there's so right? many. There's so many different, you know, different channels that you've got to mm. you've got to you've got to pay for this, pay for that. It's just it's getting it's getting ridiculous, isn't it? It really is. It is, and that's the thing is ultimately the punter gets is the one that really gets gets shafted on it. You but, know, but kind of but kind of everyone does in a way, doesn't yeah. it? It's, it goes sort of full circle. It's. Um, Do you see Phil Phil Steele's? Um, suggestion of maybe um, airing the, you know, the Premiership games. Yeah. So I think his suggestion was something along the lines of you know, you'd have you'd have one side being featured on a Friday evening, um, with a few tales about you know local club legends yeah. and, and just you know making it quite sort of grassroots level then, um, airing a game and then the rest of the games would be shown at the usual sort of two thirty on a Saturday, so that you, you know and yeah. and maybe that would bring some positivity to the Prem and. But well, more importantly, there'd, there'd be some t- there'd be some pro uh, some rugby that was on a channel where you can you can watch it for free, um, which is going to be so important, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't know whether I can see that happening or not. To be honest, um, you know, the, I, I don't know exactly what the resource is. You know, how much it costs to put on. A broadcast, you know, to take the yeah, the camera, me. the camera crews down there to film it, to to live mix it, to 
have the the pundits to pay the pundits to pay the presenting staff, uh, and also as well, you know, our BBC Wales is going to stick on, um, you know, Aberavon versus Kamal and Quinns on a Friday night when they could be sticking on the one show or whatever else it is that will probably do a will probably do a load more. Um, a load more views for them. Yeah. Well, it's certainly worth it's certainly worth considering, isn't it? Because I'd love we to don't see know it. What the I'd love to see it, but you know, some of these games are great, and we well, what, we don't have an option. Do you think though that you know is it because there's not been enough coverage that um, that attendances between Newport and Cardiff and Swansea and Neath and these great rivalries that existed before, you know, is that because it doesn't get enough coverage? Probably in part, but it's mainly because. Those teams don't exist as as top flight teams anymore. You know what I mean? They're not the they're not the top of the the rugby pyramid in Wales. Yeah, they're not. But we could you know could this be a swing back to you know fans supporting you know supporting these you know these club teams then and to get that rival you know that I mean the rivalry the rivalry is still there. It's mm. it's it's, it's um, you know it's hidden a little bit, isn't it? Um, but it's still it's still ultimately there. The tradition is there. So could this could the, you know we have to put a little positive spin on it, don't we? I, I, maybe maybe it could bring some life back into that and the club the club game potentially prosper. I don't know. Maybe I'm clutching at straws a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I am saddened that, I, that this I has am. happened. I am, and you know, I'm, I I would love to see uh, you know I would love to see a. A situation where, you know, the Premiership was flourishing because of great traditional historic rivalries, and you know, but we've seen a lot of chopping and changing with that as a league itself, and struggling to find its feet, and not no one really kind of understanding what the role for it is. Um, so you know, I don't know. I I think it's I think it's a, I think it's a nice idea. I'm not sure I can see it happening. Yeah, I'm just going to massively miss coming back from work on a Friday and uh, yeah, you know, watching you know. Settling down in the seat and just watching, you know, watching those, watching those games. I think I, that, I actually yeah. don't know, you know. That is my, that is my Friday evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is what I do. And not everybody can make it to the. You can't always make it to a game, can you? No. For you know, I don't know, childcare, cop money, whatever, whatever. There's so yeah. many different things. There's there's a number um, of different things. It's going to have a. It's going to leave a real hole. I think the other. I think the other argument that is often mooted is that because it will be on a more obscure channel, there's less excuse to watch a game on telly you know if it's a, a wet and windy day in November you're more likely to go and watch it I'm not sure that that is the case you know um, I think if you look at some of the uh, you know some of the attendances during the whatever it's called the Parker Pen Shield over the over the autumn you know games that weren't that weren't televised then that doesn't lead me to indicate that people are going to you know have a flooding to go out and watch and watch rugby again. You could argue that that's because that tournament is very much a second tier tournament now. But again, that that cheapening of that tournament, we said this before, has come off the back of of it not getting much TV exposure anymore because BT have lost interest in it. Um, of it not having automatic qualification for the top tier now. You know, so people have lost interest in it. Yeah. You know, you, you in, in two thousand and nine. Um, the final of the Anglo-Welsh Cup, whatever it's called, then the EDF, I think. Cardiff battered, uh, Cardiff Blues battered Gloucester. You may remember that, right? Yeah. In front of a packed yeah, house. Yes, do. In front of a packed house um, at Twickenham. And again, that tournament 
you know, there was enough of a, of a cup final feel to it that it felt like a big event. That was broadcast on free-to-air TV and it was a competitive tournament. Then it moved to this more kind of development tournament, um, wasn't shown on free-to-air anymore and just became kind of cheapened. And I honestly think that the Pro 14 is in danger of that and becoming a feeder league to, to France and um, France and England. Or just, just fizzling out. It, it does feel as if it's sort of these, these are sort of uh, last ditch attempts to mm. just just to, just to keep it going on a you know a day by day basis, week by week, and it, it could just it could just all come come to nothing. I you know unless the game's in front of people though mm. on any platform, it, it'll 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 die out, won't it? And some of the games I most like are club you know watching. You know, I love going to watch you know Cowbridge versus yeah. Lanswit or or those types of games. So is the, is it that different to if, if the prem if they could build a, you know, really turn that into something, we we don't watch so much of it because it's not it's not available. Mm. But if if you're then able to watch, you know, your Cardiff's versus Nepal yeah, but why do but why do you like watching watching Cowbridge? Because there's a feel around the club and it's almost a bit of that nostalgia and reminds yeah, you if you reminds you of home. But if you but but if you can bring that in, so you've you know, got same, the little characters. Same as, same as we enjoy going to London Welsh. You're not going to watch yeah. London Welsh if it was on telly necessarily, are you? I don't know. I don't know whether I, I probably would. Yeah, I mean, if because you see, you can still see great games, and as long as you can convey the sort of, you can have little interviews with characters, and like part of part of going, I suppose going down the club, you have a chat with you know, you know Eddie Pryor behind the bar, who's you know been there for for donkeys years, and mm. he's always got a little tale. You know, you have a chat with a couple of little odd bods, and there's all sorts of different characters that are floating around. And it adds to a great, you know, a great day, a great feel. But you, you, you can. I, I believe you can get that through the TV. Um, but it, it, it'll be, it have to, it'll have to be different. Um, I think Phil Steele, you know, he's brilliant at that, isn't yeah. he? Just there's a, you know, he's played game to a good, to a good, really good standard. There's a man who loves club rugby. He loves club rugby, and it comes across his passion, and it's, it's kind of infectious. It gets you, you, you're almost there with him. So as long as you've got people like him driving that. Who's to say that we couldn't we couldn't be watching a, a, a you know a good game on a Friday evening? Um, as long as we've got our rugby, then does it really matter what what level it's at? I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I don't think we're going to get the chance to find out because I, I can't I can't see that happening. I do hope that what you know in whatever capacity, I do hope that the Premiership gets more get some more coverage um, because look, I, I think ultimately we're both in, on the same page in that. We want, want to see, see grass. We, yeah, but we also want to see grassroots rugby flourish because yeah. it isn't. It's yeah. is not happening. And this, to me, feels like you know taking away the visibility of that top level of club rugby in Wales, the the top pro rugby in Wales, making it less visible to to kids. Just means they'll they'll find another sport. They'll find another interest. They'll go and do something else. Yeah. So if that's, further hit grassroots, so if, yeah. we can't afford for that. So yeah, happen. if that's the case, then thanks a bunch. Yeah. Right, let's move on quickly because another thing we want to cover before we, we uh, need something to pick. go. Well, to end on a high note here's, a, here's a curious note to end on then. That's the best I can offer you. Um, and that is uh, George North. A, um, yeah, a, a kind of slightly strange scenario seems to have, seems to have uh, occurred here. We mentioned this again on Sunday and that was kind of a, a spat that he'd had with Northampton. Following Warren Gatlin's press conference today, does look a little bit as though he's coming there, there could be an exit route here for him. Yeah, 
I would say from from his inter- from Gatlin's interview that it does look as if he's he's, he's out of there. So I do need to say at this moment as well, thanks to Gareth Davis for uh, for tweeting in, uh, who, who asked us about this as well. And um, yeah, and yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. It does feel like um, there's enough indication in there that that he's going to walk away from this contract yeah. early. Yeah, Gatlin talking about how you know the fans have been. Uh, Northampton fans have been great, and you know George's. It almost feels like this is he's he's, he's leaving. And Gatlin said that the WWE was supporting him enormously if he wants to if he wants to come home now. Yeah, because um, I, I don't I don't think they'd need to buy him out of his contract. I think that given that the relationship between the standing coaches, so that's Alan Gaffney and Alan Dickens, I think at Northampton, given the relationship between, it's I don't, gone now, I don't, yeah, I don't think they're particularly up up for picking him when it goes on. So. They may as well, um, you know, cut their losses. He's leaving at the end of the season anyway. Offer him a, you know, a, a mutual, what's the word? Mutual termination of his yeah. contract. Where's he going then, Joe? Mm. So look, I, I don't think he's going to Cardiff Blues. As we've seen again, another God, another thing we haven't mentioned that's happened since happened since Sunday is Jim Mallander. Talks have broken down with him, so he's not going to end up as the Blues head coach. Are you going to um, tell everyone now that you've been appointed? <laughs> it's it's not far off, is it? I, I really don't think it's far off. I don't know. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. Um, slight exaggeration, but yeah, you get the point. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna be his his end up destination. You know, you the closeness between WRU and the Dragons would lead you to believe yes, it's got to be. Could it? be there, but then again, you know, could it be Scarlets? They've signed Vandal on a short term. Deal, but um, a bit of brilliance, isn't it? I think that is a yeah. That should be a bit of brilliance from them again. Um, what do you think, then, Dragons? I, 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 I'm guessing I, it could be Dragons. There seems to be obviously some. Um, um, yeah, I can't see it being any. I, it's got to be the Dragons, isn't it? Surely the the, the support from the WIU, um, the link with his girl, you know, his fiance. Yeah. Um, the fact that the, the fact that the Dragons could really do with. With, uh, I think the Dragons could benefit from him. I think it would help them. Then I don't think the the Scarlets would be a. I don't think the Scarlets would really want him. Um, Do you not? McNichol out injured. Well, I suppose with I suppose with bringing in Vardell, yeah, they they they've got a few issues there, haven't they? Like, Vardell was an astute signing, definitely, but yeah, but you know, it's not term, like a short term, isn't it? It's short term, and he's not a you know he's not a test lion. Yeah, I just, I, I can't, I can't really, I can't see him at the Ospreys. I mean, I think the Ospreys would make sense. Yeah, but again, they're hindered by the fact that there's, there's no confirmed, uh, confirmed coach there. Yeah, I mean, the with the, if this, so the Scarlets have got so there's so many Welsh players. They need, they don't need another Welsh player. They need someone that's going to play. That's going to be there for the for the. I think they need a yeah. seasoned winger. Yeah, that's a fair um, point. The dragons, well, I suppose that's the same. It, it, you could say that's the same for the. It's, well, it's absolutely the case for the dragons, isn't it? They need players that are going to play every game. So it's going to be a couple of overseas, overseas signs, unless they can, you know, they 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 can bring in an enormous amount of players, which it doesn't look as if that's going to happen. Um, I, I don't know. The more, the more I'm talking, now, I'm actually going around and saying. I don't know. Look, if it's on a, if it's on a, on the basis of who needs him right now, as in next week. Then probably the dragons, and you could probably pick him in the second row. Um, 
I don't know. I think it would be a you know almost a good distraction, down the Dragons, considering how bad things have gone on the pitch. That if they were able to scratch a few results together and at least get a few people through the gates to see George North playing for them, then you know I think that that in a way is a good deflection away from um, from some pretty woeful performances on the pitch. Yeah, the main the reason why I can see it being the Dragons is because I don't think a lot of the, the the regions will be snapping to take him. Yeah. So I think with the WIU involvement and then wanting to bring George North in because it is a, you know, we know the whole setup now is we want to bring back as many Welsh players to get them involved in in the game in Wales. It's kind of like the WIU need to take that on. It's it's mm. it's the new. It's sort of like a mantra, isn't it? So it, it has to be the it has to be the Dragons. Yeah. No. I, yeah. If I was, if I'm still, I'm still not anywhere near convinced on this. But if I was, if I had to make a choice, I'd go Dragons. Yeah, if you had to be house on it. Oh, that would be the last thing I'd be, uh, I'd be putting my money on. Um, would be the outcome of this. But if I, yeah, if I had to make a choice, that's where it would be. Well, I don't think we'll be. Well, we'll be will we'll be revealed. I think it'll be revealed sooner soon. rather than later. But uh, yeah, one thing we do know is we got. Uh, we'll have uh, more podcasts for you very very soon as well. We've got. Where's some- the high note, by the way? Well, this is the highlight, actually, yeah. which you've just rudely interrupted. But one thing we do know is that we're going to have uh, a lot more Attack and Scrub podcast for you coming up soon. We've got some specials which we're going to be recording, and we've got some Touchwood fantastic guests lined up for that. So we'll reveal more about that uh, as soon as we can. Uh, in the meantime, carry on getting involved with us and letting us know your opinions on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. Do the same on Facebook by looking at our Facebook page and also our Facebook group, which is Wales Rugby Fans. Uh, so if you search for that you can get stuck in again there's always loads of debate on there day in day out um, and finally big thanks as always to our sponsors So Coffee Trades and you can make sure you get your hands on some coffee by heading over to socoffeetrades.co.uk and if you've enjoyed this leave us a review on iTunes it's massively appreciated and we'll be back to chat rugby with you very very soon Podcast Network.